Genesis chapter 3 in your Bibles this morning, please. Genesis chapter 3. Normally I write my notes on a 3x5 card, but uh, today I've got uh, a little extra here, not to be outdone by our excellent speaker yesterday. <laughs> Genesis chapter 3, 2012. I was invited, it was a precious opportunity I had to come up here as a pastor down in Iowa and preach in chapel for the first time on a given subject. And uh, it's quite a different group that we have out here since 2012. I don't uh, recognize too many that were here in 2012. Mr. Mueller was right back there. I don't think he's moved since. I think he's there. Dr. Zempel was... Dr. Zemple was right here on the platform. It was just us. Mr. Williams might have been sitting in that same spot back there. But uh, the, the, the topic that I've really sought the Lord for and uh, really wanted his wisdom on another opportunity to give this to a new generation here at BCM is the topic of modesty. The topic of modesty. So I've entitled this this morning, Immodesty you should be ashamed. Immodesty, you should be ashamed. In Genesis chapter 3, I want to read just a few verses here and then we'll, we'll dig in and see what the Lord has for us. And uh, we're, we're not going to go over the entire story. Uh, when I was here last time preaching on this, it was a, a two-part message in two different days and we're not going to cover all of it. It's not really exactly the same message anyway. But uh, we're going to move directly to the point at hand. You know the story of Genesis 3, how that uh, Satan came and indwelt a serpent, and there he tempted Eve, and Eve fell. And in verse 6, we'll pick it up there. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was, a, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And the eyes of them both were opened. And they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Let's pray. Lord God, this morning, we do need you to help us through this. It's a, it's a historical story. It's, it, it literally took place. And you have recorded it in such a way that the very truths that are there are necessary for us today. Uh, all scripture is, is profitable to us today. And Lord, let, let if, 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 if in any way we have relegated this passage in, uh, in truths that are here to a, to a back burner, Lord, when we move them forward today and see what is fresh for us in the 21st century because we believe lord your word is fresh and that we need to take a fresh look at it holy spirit give us a new breath of life for this text i pray in jesus name amen i wonder this morning uh, the answer to this question are you god's model of modesty would you meet that uh that expectation that God has. If God had uh, the occasion 
to speak to somebody and say, you know what, just in this area of modesty, I'd like you to take a look at and then point to you. And I'd like you to look at their life. Essentially, I'd like you to look at the way that they adorn themselves. Because they are a model of modesty for me. How do you think we'd stack up? If he came to you, if God really came down here and looked over the student body, not just the way you look today, God knows, the way you look every day, and said, I'm going to pick you. Would he? Is modesty that great an issue for you? Wouldn't you think it is for God? We're going to find out. And I think we're going to find out from the text here just how important modesty is. My next question is this. Is modesty primarily a female crisis? The guy should know, we talk about it, uh, usually right at the beginning of every, uh, every year. But I'm already getting some feedback, even from the ladies, and the ladies have never asked, I've never asked this question to the ladies here. Is modesty primarily a female crisis? Because you know, that's the way we think. That's the way we think. That's kind of the default setting. You know, we're going to answer that from the text here. Is it primarily a female crisis? So hold on to that one. And I want you to imagine with me for just a moment that uh, we're going to lay out the platform here. And we're going to say that right over here next to this piano is God's standard for modesty. It's right here. And then, of course, we know that from here down this path into the world, why, we've got an infinite number of variables in the area of modesty as we walk this way. Things become low, high, tight, revealing. Male or female, I don't care. You know what's down here? All the way down here. It's not my intention to talk about the pornography industry today, but that's kind of what we hit down here, don't we? You wouldn't believe the statistics, and I could have loaded up on them, but it's not my purpose. About $13 billion are spent annually. Billion. right here in America, 57 billion in the world. Do you know that the National Basketball Association's annual revenues are 7 billion? Everything. National Football League, 8 billion. Major League Baseball, 10 billion. The pornography industry, outpaces them all. 
There's a huge drawdown here. Why? Of course, in our realm, really, we're all the way back up here somewhere. Trying to work it through uh, the variables in your closet, at the store that you shop, with what you think is acceptable. Does that sound real good? Is that the right answer? You know, I, you know, I'm fairly confident that if, if we were asked to graph ourselves on this line, we would end up saying, well, I, I probably slip at times, I don't know, but I think I'm pretty. But would we really be the one to ask? Are we a good judge of ourselves? So what if we ask the Lord? Lord, is, are my choices, is my thinking in this area of modesty acceptable to you? Now you, you tell me, what is acceptable to God on this line? Anything down here? Anything at all? Or have you been called to holiness? What would be a good reason to be somewhere on this line? What would be a good excuse? Would there be one? Where's America today? Is it moving? I think I was in the third or fourth grade maybe, music class, in a Christian school. And uh, the teacher went to the board, blackboard in that day, and drew a big circle. He said, there's the world. This made such an impression on me, I haven't forgot it. Moved over three feet, drew another circle, and here's the church. Drew an arrow, said that the world is going that way. Came back to the church and drew an arrow. Said the church is chasing it. I never forgot that. That impressionable age, I realized something's wrong with that picture. Something is definitely wrong. Your dress choices, are they... Are they, which direction are they headed? Where are you? Where are you in the area of modesty? 1 Peter 1.15, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be holy in all manner of conversation. 1 Peter 2.9 through 12, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a royal priesthood. Interesting. Royal priesthood. You. Bear that in mind. Unholy nation, a peculiar people. I think our ladies more often feel a little more peculiar out in public than we do, men. Is that true, ladies? Do you at times feel peculiar? Do you feel like maybe you're the only one in Walmart with a skirt on that goes down to your ankles? You ever had that? I don't know. I've never done it, but I'm just curious. <laughs> Aren't you glad to know that I've never done it? I'm glad to know that, too. How, just be honest. I just, this is for me. I'm just pulling the audience here. How many of you ladies have, there's been a point where you've been in a store, in a restaurant, somewhere, 
where you just had this realization that I'm peculiar based on the way I'm dressed? How many ladies? Raise them up high. Men, look around. Thank you. Put them down. Men, I don't know whether this has happened to you. It could have. You could have gone into Walmart like this and said, I feel funny. I don't know. But how many men would say, I, I remember a distinct time when that's happened to me. I felt real peculiar in the way I've dressed. It's okay. It's okay. Raise them up. Did you notice the difference there? wonder why that is. I wonder if there should be a difference there. I wonder, men, if we're not so willing to be peculiar. Should we be? I'm not saying we have to dress on purpose to be peculiar. But you know what? In our society, modesty is peculiar. Do you understand that? And I'm quite sure that that's going to be the case around the world. Perhaps Alexander, James, could testify to that. It's not just America. It's everywhere. You have an unusual opportunity to be distinctly Christian and to show it. There are some synonyms for immodesty that I just want to go through. You probably could come up with many. Indecency. Exposure. To display. To advertise. To broadcast. To exhibit. To flaunt. To parade to publish, to unveil what ought not be unveiled. Let me ask you a question. Look at chapter 2 and verse 25. It's the, last, it's the last verse before the fall. This is it. The last opportunity that God has to tell us something about what it was like in a perfect world. And so succinctly does the Spirit of God give us in one brief verse a glimpse into that, I don't know, that amazing time period. Amazing. Perfect. They didn't sass each other. They didn't look cross-eyed at each other. They didn't, what, what do you think, what, why do you, oh. they didn't roll their eyes at each other into that world. Look at verse 25, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Let me ask you a question. Are they indecent? Wow. Never thought about that before. Let me try it again. Are they indecent? No. They're not indecent. That's amazing. Because they don't have any clothes on. All right, let's go back down to uh, verse 6. We see, here it happens. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, 
and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also unto her husband with her and he did eat. And there's a period. Wow, is there a period. Do you know what you can hang on that period right there? For there is none righteous, no, not one. Does that go there? Is it, would it be true? How about this? For there is none that seeketh after God. You know what they're going to do next, don't you? Are they going to seek after God? There was none. How about this? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can you hang it on that period? Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men for all have sinned. Could you put it there? There's a lot that happened right there in that period. Verse 7. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They didn't know that? Like they didn't know? You didn't know? You ever think about that verse? Think about it. Let me ask you this. What eyes? Their physical eyes or their spiritual eyes? All right, let's put the spiritual over here. And we'll put the physical over here. So this is the physical realm of their lives. And this is the spiritual realm. How many of you say that's, uh, those are spiritual eyes? Okay, all right, good. And how many of you say those are physical eyes? I've got a few hands. I've got a few hands. Is the nakedness spiritual or physical? I think I got both there. By the way, are they now condemned? Unsaved? Unredeemed? Unregenerate? Ouch. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world. He didn't need to. John 3.18. But he that believeth not is condemned already. They're now condemned. Well, they are spiritually naked, dead. Are they physically? Are they physically naked? Yeah, but they were. Let me ask you a question. What has changed in the physical realm? Other than the fact that we have some fruit laying on the ground here with a couple bites taken out of it. I mean, really, what has changed? No brimstone, no fire, no earthquake, the ground didn't open up, swallow them. What has happened? Each has taken a bite of some fruit off of that tree, that forbidden tree. Probably it's on the ground right now. Here they stand, and uh, are they saying, okay, that wasn't a problem. That's not an issue. Let's try another one. Is that what they're saying? 
The eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. Boy, they got busy. Like something changed dramatically. All of a sudden, what, did somebody come down and tell them? Look at the two of you. I mean, just look at you. By the way, are they indecent now? Okay, that's weird. Because nothing changed. And you said before that they were not indecent. Nothing changed physically, and now they're indecent. You want to explain that one to me? Except their eyes are open. And they knew. But they must have known before. So what has changed? Well, they did go from decent to indecent. Holy to unholy. And here they stand. It is amazing to me that nobody has to tell them. Nobody said a word. There's not a sign on the tree that says, hey, if you ever eat this, you better go get some fig leaves. You got to go do something. Like, quick. Step one, eat the fruit. Step two, fig leaves. Now. Right now. It doesn't say that. But they knew. I, we, oh, this isn't going to work. This is. Well, what are we going to do? Fig leaves. That's it. We've got to have some fig leaves. Why? This is extremely important. We're going back to the foundation here. There are biblical principles about modesty. We could pull things from different places around the scripture, but let's go to the beginning here. Let's get the foundation. Where did it go off? Why is God telling us about this? So their eyes are opened, and they knew. Now, you would agree that the majority of just what just went wrong is over here in the spiritual realm. The needs are here. The void is here. This nakedness is a problem. Nothing, nothing has changed over here. Not one thing has changed in the physical realm, and yet they're moving in the physical realm. They're moving here to take care of that. Is that true? Now the fig leaf's going to do that? I mean, they didn't go to church. Oh, honey, I, I'm under conviction. I've got to get my Bible out and have some devotions. I've got to get to God here. That would have been good. Actually, that would have been good. But immediately they start to do what you and I do. We try to fix spiritual things in the physical realm. All right, whatever. This is what they're doing. They move on their own. Nobody tells them. And they say, we've got to have, what do they got to have? Fig leaves? Nah, fig leaves is just, it was there. They're big, they're helpful. Okay. What did they need? What did they need? A covering. We got to be covered. Why? They never needed to be covered before. Because we're indecent. And indecency needs a covering. Like, nobody told them this. Any of you related to Adam and Eve? If you didn't raise your hand, come to History Sip. We'll, we'll work it through. 
You'll probably fail the first quiz, but after that, you'll get it. You'll get it. Okay. Some of you have relatives here in the audience. You've got cousins and brothers and sisters. How many of you have a relative here in the audience right now? How many of you? The rest of you come to History of Civ. You, you, you still do not get it. You just, you just do not get it. I know Graziella does, because she got it in class. Yeah, totally. I gotta ask it this way. Uh, is there anybody here that's related to John R. Rice? Anybody at all? <laughs> Will got it too. He was in History of Civ. That's good. That's good. Who is Adam and Eve to you? Who? That's grandpa and grandma. Right? Oh, some of the lights are coming on. Okay. <laughs> you say, why are you bringing that up? Because this is your family. This is very appropriate to you. This isn't some obscure uh, Bible story somewhere. This is your family we're talking about. Grandpa and grandma are right here to all of us. And this is what's happening. And it's our life. It's our family. All of us. I want you to notice something, because we're going to go ahead and answer that question. Is this a female crisis? So look at verses 7 and 8 with me again. And the eyes of them, them, notice how the Lord emphasizes now, he says, both. You see that? And follow along with me now as we read this. And the eyes of them both were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, verse 8, and they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves. Is this primarily a female crisis? But do we have a modesty issue? Let's keep reading. This is getting good. And the Lord God called unto Adam, verse 9, and said unto him, Let's read that again. And the Lord God called unto them. Did the Lord God call unto them? Is this primarily a female crisis? According to verse 9, it's primarily a what crisis? This is primarily a male crisis. Now, you would never have thought that. I bring up modesty and the guys check out. Oh, good. More time to study. Nice. This is not primarily a female crisis, men. This is primarily a male crisis. And I think, I think for two reasons. First of all, well, obviously what we've seen here already in the text Young ladies have a father and a husband. Man, if you are doing what you are to be doing in leadership in your home, modesty is well taken care of. You remember that, men. You have a wife. You have daughters. You know the heart of a man more than they do. You know the heart of God meted out in your home. 
disciple in your home. If there's a modesty problem in your home, you have no one else to blame. God said, Adam, where are you? Where? Where are you, Adam? And Adam didn't want to be found. This is a male crisis. Secondly, I am convinced, this is just me, but I am totally convinced. Because you know, in, uh, in America, we consider this line again, where we are, all the way down to you know, the worst of the worst. But I don't think you get here until men get immodest, personally. Consider, for example, Africa or Asia or the Americas hundreds of years ago. When missionaries showed up, what did they find? You know the answer to that, don't you? It can still happen in the world today, can't it? Of course it can. It's not as prevalent as, praise the Lord, as it used to be, but imagine it. Imagine missionaries 100, 150, 200 years ago, and, uh, and they, they walk into a village, and what do they find there? On this graph, what do they find? You know what they find. How does that happen? Are they indecent? Do they necessarily know it? They have so damaged their conscience. They are so far from truth, from their creator, that there's not even an awareness of it. And the gospel, listen, the gospel is what brings it. Consider these things from the Bible. There are three things scripturally that I can think of that bring about nakedness, immodesty. The children of Israel were worshiping a golden calf in Exodus 32. And with their play and their dance and their unclothed there before the Lord as they sing their songs and it sounds like there's a battle going on down there, idolatry. Idolatry around the world has brought about immodesty. A spiritual condition that influences their, their physical adornment, their lack of modesty. Number two, in Genesis chapter 9, Noah is in his tent, and he plants a vineyard, he says, and then he partook of the, of the fruit of the vine there, and he had become wine, alcoholic, I guess, and, and he's drunken, and guess what it says? He's uncovered in his tent. He's naked. He's a godly man. Drunkenness. Number three, in Luke chapter 8, we discover a man who is with the Gadarenes, and he lives in the tombs. And what does the Bible say his condition was? He was unclothed. He was naked. And what does the Bible say of his condition after Jesus came, cast out the demons? Luke chapter 8, and verse 34, when they had... When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city, of, in the country, in verse 35, then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man out of whom the devils were departed, listen, sitting at the feet of Jesus, sitting at the feet of Jesus, 
Is that a good place to be? Sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. Interesting how they go together. A right mind, proper clothing, and sitting at Jesus' feet. Modest. You know, the bywords of the 70s were, uh, don't judge my appearance, you don't know my heart. Like somehow you can separate the heart from what's on the externals here. But the truth is, just look at this demoniac. When his heart was right and he had a relationship with his creator, you know what happened to the externals? They got taken care of. Idolatry, drunkenness, demonism. And what are the standards for modesty? What do we look to for a standard? Your brothers and sisters? Other family members? Your mom and dad? What is your standard for modesty? You pick up a Kohl's catalog? You look online? You browse in some store to find out what you can find, goodwill? Is that your standard? If you're 10 years behind the world, is that a good standard? What is our standard for modesty? The culture, the style. Could you really take Glamour magazine, Vogue, Cosmopolitan? Are they going to lead you to holiness, modesty? Men, how about GQ? You peruse, you look, you say, I like that look. Style isn't necessarily always immoral, but what are the styles going to lead you to? If that's, if that's what you're bent upon, I want to be cutting edge. I like what I see. I like to follow what's in. Where do you think that's going to lead you? Where did it lead the Africans? The Asians? Where's it leading America? How are we doing? Last September, an article, September, an article was published by the New York Times, great theological publication. I read it. Long accustomed to casual dress, Americans showed this summer that they were becoming increasingly tolerant of and open about casual undress. Nudity, both in private and in public, was practiced by large numbers of Americans with a low-key openness, once associated with Europeans. There's where your styles come from, by the way. Some social scientists regarded as the beginning of a trend in which toleration and acceptance of nudity could become commonplace within the next few years. Amazing, the New York Times would be sounding the warning. That was September, not last September. September 1974, that was 45 years ago. Where do you think the trends are going? This isn't anything new. Is it possible that by looking at styles, you have succumbed to things that are really immodest? Is that possible? Could that be at BCM? 
Listen, take a thought from the, from the dean's offices. When the freshmen come in, we become uniquely aware sometimes of what's in the culture. You know how? It comes to BCM. You know how it gets here? You know what I mean? The new thing out there, the latest thing. And there's a lot of things like that. Things that are fitted, gathered, revealing, clingy, tight. They make me feel masculine, strong, ladies, pretty. They reveal. You know what they are? Fig leaves. They were pretty revealing. You know what I mean? They covered not. They wouldn't work. I really want you to understand something about this story. They need a covering, right? Is God going to provide them a spiritual covering? Will he? How does he do that? Well, it's Jesus. You know that, right? But doesn't he illustrate it here in the garden? How does he, how, how does he illustrate it? Well, he comes up with some skins of some animals. All right, well, if you've got the skins of the animals, I think probably the animals are deceased. Right? I bet they bled, too. I've never skinned an animal that didn't bleed. So we have had, right here in the garden, a sacrifice for sin. And that sacrifice has now covered, has now provided a covering, right? What did he hand them? Aprons? Tank tops? Coverings. Did God say this? Did he say, you know what? I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand this fig leaf thing. It looks ridiculous. What you need to do is just put those away. Your bodies are just the same as they were when I created them. Just forget that. That's not a big deal. I don't know why you did that. What you need is a spiritual help. You don't need physical covering. Get that stuff off. Is that what he said? No, he said here. What is what I'm providing in the spiritual realm? I'm also providing in the physical realm. You need to be covered. Really? Is it a sufficient covering? What well, is over there? Is it here? Is your covering that you go to your closet to every day? Is it a sufficient covering? You say, well, it's better than the world. That's not what I asked you. Remember the standard is God's holiness. Anything over here, you already agreed. Any variable from here is not acceptable to the Lord. It needs to be a sufficient covering. It is not revealing, not suggestive, not enticing. It's a sufficient covering. Now understand this, that over here we have, the, the, the issue is the shame of our nakedness. Over here, the issue is the shame of our sin. The atonement of the sacrifice 
will be a proper covering for the shame of our sin. Now let's talk about that covering here. I'm just going to need to wrap up with this. But I want you to get this because this is the reason that we get dressed. Were Adam and Eve getting dressed because they didn't want to look at each other? No, they ran off together. That didn't seem to be the issue. Uh, were they worried about what the neighbors would think? What were they concerned about? They were concerned about God seeing them. That's what we need to be concerned about. If you are concerned about getting dressed because a holy God is going to see you, that you're going to be in His presence, and you're not going to have to run and hide, you're not going to be ashamed of yourself, well, then we'd be proper for other people. Don't be worried about what other people think. It's what God thinks. Now, the covering that he provided was not the aprons that they had created by hand. They were coats. These word coats here are very specific. They're most often used for the priest's garments and for royalty. God created them, not a pair of shorts and a, and, and a tank top. They were coats. They covered. They covered the shame of their nakedness just as the atoning sacrifice is covering the shame of their sin. Now, the shame of your sin, do you want it covered? How much of it? So if you stand before God and, uh, and He's there and you've got your atoning covering there and He can see through it or around it or there's some gap in it, are you in trouble? If you've got a little scene, a little, you know, something that's a little gapped, a little, is that a problem in the judgment? I trust you're hoping for a good covering, a sufficient covering. Shouldn't we dress the same way? It was God that said, here, put these on. It's a good covering. We illustrate in the physical realm what has, what's needed in the spiritual realm. It happened at the same time in Genesis 3. At the exact same time that God was prophesying, I will provide a covering, and here's how it will happen. The death of the innocent, a bloody sacrifice, will take care of the shame of your sin, and at the exact same time, with the same sacrifice, literally, he provides them a physical covering for the shame of their nakedness. You know what that means? It means when you get dressed right, you're a walking tract. That's what it means. You are displaying the atonement. That's what God did. He handed them. He said, here, put these on. This is illustrating the atonement. Wear them. It's a sufficient covering. By the way, do you ever give a gift at Christmas time and uh, you, you, the shape of it? You just can't, how am I going to box this? What? You know, it's a Frisbee. It's a, I don't know, a bicycle. What, you ever have a, a really hard time, you know, wrapping something so they won't know what it is before they open it up? You know what I mean? So what do you do? Do you cover it in such a way that they won't know what's in it? So that what's in it won't be exposed? Do you know that you ought to do the same thing when you dress? 
Do you know that there's some clothing that just doesn't, it covers, but it doesn't hide? You, that things are still exposed? They're covered, but things are still exposed. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't take any imagination at all. I know what that is. You ought not to dress that way. You don't even wrap your Christmas presents that way. You ought not to dress that way. Think about it. This isn't rocket science. That covering over there is a sufficient covering. This one should be too. See to it that it's a sufficient covering. One last thing. Is that an eternal covering? Is this one? You say, well, these things aren't going to last forever. I understand that. Are we going to be covered in heaven? How? Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 8. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. It happened in Genesis 3, and now in Revelation chapter 19, God is connecting them again. That your covering, is that a physical covering? Will you have a physical body in heaven? Will you have a physical body in heaven? Is that a physical covering in heaven? Yes. White robes. A good covering. Both of them are eternal. This is not a temporary thing. Something I put on, take off, you know, when I play sports, when I do, I, I pull more off. I, what's a good reason? To be less than covered. What's a good reason? Think that through. The world will give you a number of reasons that they think are really good. Well, how's a girl going to be able to do what she needs to do and keep up with the boys if she's got to wear? Think about it. You going to listen to that? Or are you going to portray the atoning covering that is sufficient to cover the shame of nakedness? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for the atoning covering. And Lord, help us to just understand, get our minds around the fact that we are portraying that covering when we dress. It's not just something that we do as a daily chore. It is something that occurred in the garden, and you were very concerned about what it looked like and how it was done. And Lord, I pray that this would be very real to us while your heads are bowed, I just wonder, is there someone here that says, you know what, I need to make a decision this morning for the Lord?